Hi, this is Fox Stevenson. My name is Wyatt Troy. And I want to welcome everybody to Behind the Door. We interview artists and music industry experts on an emotional, philosophical, and artistic level to get inside their heads, gather the best information, and then bring it back to you. By the way, this is a companion podcast to our new YouTube series, In the Daw, where we invite artists to dissect their songs in real time. If you have any artists you would like to see come on the show, or if you have any feedback in general, you can contact me at Wyatt at musicandstuffllc.com. Start you off. I have three questions really quick. Okay. So if Pinocchio was to say, my nose is going to grow, what would happen? Yeah, that's, <laughs> I've, I've heard that one and I've not been able to answer it before. I guess it would never grow. I guess it wouldn't grow because it's true. But if it's true. But it's it going to grow? grow at some point anyway. I guess, I guess if you want to use it that way, he, at some point it's kind of inevitable that his nose, oh wait, my nose will now grow. Maybe, maybe that, then, then you kind of got me. But if he just says my nose is going to grow, oh. I think that's a safe bet that at some point in the future, oh, okay. maybe. So yeah, if he says my nose is gonna grow now, do you think it just like grows? Then we're, and goes into, back? Then we're into dodgy territory. <laughs> what helps me sleep at night is I just think that it just kind of like grows and goes back really quick. You know what it I mean? Hangs out. To prevent a paradox. Anyways, okay. So next one. <laughs> Do centaurs have two sets of ribs? I guess so, right? Yeah. Maybe it's just like one big set just goes all the way up. I guess they do. And I feel like if, if you are lugging around a human and a horse as your as your body, you might need like extra lungs for all that oxygen. Anyway. Two sets of lungs too. I mean, if you got ribs, you got lungs, right? I guess that's what ribs do is protect the lungs. <laughs> it's a package deal. No one ever stopped to think about the in-depth anatomy of a centaur. <laughs> we might have to draw this out. Yeah, well, I mean, like you've got two stomachs then as well. Oh my gosh. Before the rise of the internet and phones and anything such as that, did people ever say the term, where are you? Because in order to speak to someone, you had to know where they are, even if you wrote letters. You had to know where you were sending it. So did people ever say that before? I guess it depends. Yeah, because there, there would have been like P.O. Box situations, right? Like if, if someone's in um in the army or something and then and then like you're sending letters to a loved one who's out there serving, then you don't know exactly where they are. Like you, you're sending it to the, I guess the the postal force that would get it to the people who need to be there and you wouldn't have that information yourself though whether they could answer it through confidentiality might might be a or if you're blind or if you're blind yeah <laughs> we're warmed up we're ready we have fox stevenson the legend i'm really sick and so like me just saying that with my throat felt really good and deep yeah yeah you got some good croak going down thanks man i really appreciate that mr sawyer since i had those three wonderfully deep and completely essential questions Will you take the very first question? So I, I got to dig the new rabbit hole is what you're That's saying? That's Here's the mini shovel. What was the, I guess, the emotional drive that got you into into music and production and doing what you do these days? I guess the real catalyst kind of came from when I was uh, around 13, 14. I'd already kind of been flirting with music production before that, but like around that time, my family moved from one city to another. So I was in that kind of like new kid situation where I would either have to make a load of new friends or be a loner or that, that kind of whole thing. Before that, I'd actually been like one of those angry kids, like the ones that you would push to a point where they would like pop and freak out. And then, you know, everyone's waiting for that moment and they'd, they'd freak out. I didn't like that. And, and I kind of had um, at the age of like 13, 14, I kind of said to myself, like, that's not fun. That's that. Like, I'm not enjoying doing this, so I'm just going to not care. And I think I grew myself a real sense of apathy and kind of not disinterest, but kind of just 
come what may-ishness to, to my, my entire outlook on the world. But what that enabled was for me to become the person I have been for the last 10 years. That person has been able to hole, hole up in, in rooms making tracks happily because I keep myself company very happily. And I think that, that that's kind of what led to the fact that I was already doing some music production. It led to that blossoming into a place where I can really explore and, and fulfill myself mentally without the need for other people. That said, I do have friends. <laughs> Who's some of your best friends in the producer community? The person I see the most of would be uh, Faint. He's a, like a drum and bass producer on um, on Monster Cat. Every time I get the chance to, I'll, I'll hang out with uh, Abe OK. There's not many people apart from Faint that I really like see that often. I've got like I've got my friend Buster, who's actually here right now, hey, um, who, who, who's been producing alongside. You know, we've been producing together for, for ages. Said the Sky is another one a bit like OK, where if I get the chance, I will definitely, definitely hang out with him. Not that many people that I hang out with super often how you were saying you're just you know you're this angry kid and then eventually like yeah, this isn't that fun. I don't really want to be that that person anymore. I feel like uh, a lot of people go through that. It's kind of just like the teen, the teenage angst, so to say. Do you still struggle with that from time to time? You see that 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 angry teenager starting to bubble up inside of you, or is that pretty much gone now? It happened One once, time. maybe about three years into after that kind of time, mm-hmm. where someone had wound me up over something really like asinine, nothing, nothing important. Um, and I did, I did pop. It, the, it, that came to blows, and it was like a fight. And I remember doing something in that fight that I wasn't particularly proud of. I'd, I'd gone too far in that. It, like, it got really physical and he had his um his arm around my neck and I, I ended up, like, jumping backwards onto him and he went, he like he was out cold and I hated it and I, I, I couldn't believe it. I'm not a violent person at all. Like, that's the only fight I'd ever been and I hated that I'd lost myself. That moment in itself was really poignant because, it, because one moment there was an argument and then instant remorse and so much other conflicting kind of ide- ideas and, and things. That's the only time I ever really came back up. But to be honest, no, I don't. I don't find myself getting um, getting riled up and, and, and angry, and I, I haven't felt like that since then. And that was eight years ago. Either I found better friends, I found a way to cope with things. Yeah, things very rarely phase me now. Would you say that that moment when you did that, would you attribute that to the moment in your life that you regret the most, or is there another moment in your life that you would attribute that title to? I don't know. I don't. I don't. I've never really thought about that. It's definitely something that sticks out. I guess maybe you you could say that there's probably stuff that I'm not thinking. Of. I might be a bit of a serial repressor in terms of in terms of bad memories and things that I that I don't want to have to think about because they don't make me happy. But not in a sort sort of like bubbling away kind of thing, and just a sort of like nothing I can do about that. Why bother? There might be stuff that, that that I would think about would that would fill me with more regret, but nothing's coming to mind right now. That whole episode kind of led me to be the person I am and, to, and how I feel about like violence and stuff. I don't think there's any kind of exchange rate between words and violence anyway. Like it, nothing anyone can say to anyone in my mind anyway, constitutes physical threat person. I know that I know that a lot of people would disagree with me on that. But you see but you seem like that that kind of guy and okay, yeah, you can make fun of me, you can make fun of the ones that I love and, and so on and so forth, but I don't think that warrants me physically hurting you. Like there's no exchange rate in my mind. Yeah. No no exchange rate. Yeah. I mean you can you can push someone pretty dang far, but I've kind of settled it in my mind. It sounds like you have as well. I've kind of settled it in my mind until me or my loved ones or someone in general is in physical danger, I don't think that there's an actual need to do that. Does that make sense? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. You took the words right out of my mouth. That's the overall goal, right? But, you know, most of us, we're, we're not that perfect. Oh, no, I mean, I, I'm talking, yeah, I'm talking in a perfect world. And, and since then, I've held myself in that same regard. You mentioned how at one point you hit this this crossroads in your life that you were, you know, angry and it was either 
either make new friends or, you, you know, you had to find an outlet and it seemed that music turned into that, that solace for you. With that being said, different world, what's something else that would have helped you find that comfort when you came to that same crossroads? I think it could have been anything at that point. Cause as I, as I moved to this new school and stuff, I didn't seclude myself completely. I just did, did whatever I felt like doing. I was like in the choirs and I was in, I was skating. I still skate. And one thing I've, I've noticed from being the 13 year old kid to now 28, still trying to skate is concrete is a lot harder of a surface these days. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Concrete will not forgive you. <laughs> you don't bounce the same way at this age. When I was preparing for this interview, I went back and I listened to virtually every interview that you have on YouTube of people that have a view on YouTube. I, I started to see a common thread between the interviews that you would say. And the common thread was basically that you never want to be pigeonholed or confined to a certain type of genre or to a certain type of art form, at least musical art form. Why is that? Why do you feel a need to make sure that you're ever expanding or not confined to like this little this little box? It's a necessity of, of the current state of music is, is genre. People have now got so much choice that they need to be able to define the things that they like so that they can hear more of what they like. That, in essence, is, is okay and it's good, but it does kind of closed doors for people to be able to hear things like if you think of like a huge spectrum of things I know it's more like a Venn diagram that's really complicated but you know they'll know the areas that they like to frequent and they might like something way out here or way out here but they've got no real way of knowing for me I think genre can be such a weight to bear because if I want to make a dubstep track and I want it to do well in a realistic sense come this is this comes more into a business side of things I guess like I've got to make it palatable to dubstep DJs and people that are going to be searching for dubstep or make it's so not dubstep that it has some other home, some other place because it's got so much of something else. I guess nowadays I would feel a little bit more emboldened to do something way left field because of Spotify playlists that, that, that kind of like meld things together and kind of use way huger umbrella terms. And that's something I'd actually really love to explore towards the end of this year because that that's that that's really exciting to me. But genre in itself is such a construct of things that, that are, at the end of the day are completely arbitrary. Like if you're a drum and bass head, you're going to like other stuff. Drum and bass is a good example because so many drum and bass heads hate everything else just by definition. And it's a bit cancerous to, to progress of any kind. Drum and bass is supposed to be at 174 BPM. If you take something down to 155 BPM and produce it exactly the same as a drum and bass tune, drum and bass heads are going to like it. It's just not going to get played by drum and bass DJs and then you're not going to get a look in anyway. And that, that's just changing one parameter of the way that you could approach that track. And I think that if you extrapolate that to all the things that could be changed about any one genre to still be palatable to people who would like that, you suddenly realize how banded everything is now. Genre is kind of a necessary evil in, in the sense because it sends people in, in the direction that they kind of want to go because if they like a dubstep song but they don't know how to describe what it is well maybe the next song they listen to is country and they're like ah, it's not it's not the same but I don't know how to explain what I want exactly yeah. like that's part of it I think genre is a necessary evil that is taken too much as gospel that's how I view it I mean that's that's not to say that it's not really fun to go okay today I'm making a straight up house house banger that that in itself is, is a fun limitation it's the fact that there's so many musicians out there that will be that will be like oh i want to make it they'll look at a successful dj or other musician and be like okay these are the things that make them successful i need to completely copy and emulate those or 
at least not stray too far from those things, that suddenly clouds imagination. That's what I lament the most is the fact that it, it takes the imagination out of making music because a blog of any kind or any kind of um, any kind of platform that could push it want to know what sort of track it is because they have you know they have their own uh, mission statement of what they what they will and won't plug for the most part. You know if something's popular, everyone will plug it anyway. But getting from having something that's completely non-genre and non-definable to a point where everyone's wanting to talk about it is so rare. Like the last time I could think of that happening was somebody I used to know by Gautier, but that was a while back. I'm sure it's happened since then. Even as a amateur producer that I am, you're right. It's such a, people feel the need to be determined by one genre. And I've, I found myself like not even having a clue of what genre I would produce in. And, and then I think I realized that you're right. It's, it's a necessary evil. It gives people direction, but then I can also find it as a limiter. And as an example, you know, Dylan Francis is just putting like he's purely moonbathon right now and no one would have thought he did that but look he's still putting out a great great album uh calvin harris has done funk he's done pop he's done hip-hop and why do we limit ourselves to saying you know like oh i like purely dubstep what what happened to what sounds good is good because music's a universal language and what what happened to if it's good to the ears it's it then it's going to be good you don't have to like it because of genre x y or z yeah it, it makes it easier to play the game right like knowing that you've made the the track in a certain way like if you've made it if you've made a moonbaton track it's like you you put it through the places that people will go to get that yeah um choice it's it's choice i think I, I think it comes down to the fact that people have the choice and they need to know how to make the choice so that they get the things they like it's consumerism in a way but not not and i don't and i'm not saying that in like a sort of big farm oh big farmer <laughs> kind of consumerism no it, it's just a necessary thing that people want to be able to choose like back when things were about if it sounds good it is good i think that that was a point where there were payola and it was it was radio stations that had the complete you know the final say or you could yeah. you know, pay to get on and so there was so little there was so little music actually making its way to people that any any music was kind of valuable and now now we have this giant noise storm that you need to be able to prick through somehow i think that that's the burden of it and that that's what's made this necessary and i i don't i don't completely lament it because it's great to be able to see so many cultures coming around through it part of being a total rhythm dubstep head is that you are not a trance head it's also um a signaling of intent of being part of x culture and definitely not part of y culture and i'm sure there are people that, that that fall into both categories of what I just said. Like I'm not trying to necessarily make any sweeping uh, generalizations like that, but there's definitely an, an element of I am part of this, I'm not part of you, and that's just culture in itself, isn't it? Like that's football teams, that's fashion, it's it's, it's everything. That that's just how we work. I think anybody can make music today amazing but, but it is amazing you're right it's hard to break in maybe that's why we have limitations such as genres but at the same time if someone's making a really good dubstep song they know of dubstep community x y and z to promote this music to at the same time yeah that's exactly it yeah so the fact that the opportunities for people to break into the music industry or to make music in general say that is just astronomically higher than it was say 10 years ago or even or especially 20 years ago anyone can get into it now through relatively you know cheap means as beautiful as that is does that scare you in a way because that means that potentially knock you out of a job one day or is it kind of liberating to think about for me personally i hesitate to say this because it may come across the wrong way i personally don't worry because i don't think anyone 
anyone else sounds like me. I would be more worried if I was very genre, like yeah. very genre. Like if I was somebody making something that was a really, really current sound, I would be worried about some kid coming through with incredible sound design and chops and just completely blowing that genre wide open and then suddenly making me redundant. I I count myself lucky in the, you know, I like to geek, I like to, I like to produce, but what, what I enjoy the most and the thing that brings me the most happiness is writing and like the, 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 the melodies and the way that those things come together. And I think that I'm lucky in the sense that I do that in my own way. And it sounds like me. So far, and, and this, this is something that could change tomorrow, so far I haven't heard anybody that really sounds like me. And I might be, you know, I might be being completely naive. That's, that's why I don't worry about that so much. But also at the same time, everyone just makes their own decisions anyway. Like when you make a track, if you're really tuning into you and be, and making decisions based on what you want, no one else is you. True. So why would you worry? That's my general conclusion, I guess, in a lot more generalized sense. If you're being you, you shouldn't have to worry about someone replacing you. The only thing you have to worry about is the industry moving away from what you are. That's just how things go. Maybe if you're if you're quick and you can and you can change your you know change your stripes as you need to. And and still be you within a different construct, which is something I've seen loads of people do. And Martin Garrix being a good example, going from like completely uh, like big room house to doing progressive house to doing future bass and still staying him. That's a good example of that. You know, he stayed relevant. And if you can do you and stay relevant within the things of that, then I don't think there's ever any reason to worry. It's only if you're pandering that I think you have to worry. If you are being you, like if you are producing for you, how can someone replicate that? No one can replicate who you are. And so you can't be replaced placed if you're being you oh my gosh <laughs> uh, that applies to, to life in general and the one thing that i guess really spoke to me is fox that that even goes back to i played college football hmm. and that was that's such a relative statement that you made because everyone seems to be worried about there could always be an incoming freshman that is just they're going to take your spot because that's the whole concept of college football and in the pros is they're looking for the next best athlete that's going to help them win games. And that's why I was recruited and that's why everyone else was there. If you're pandering at the thought of someone else taking your position, it's probably going to happen. But if, if you're being true to yourself, if you're doing what you need to do, you're right. I think it takes care of itself. And it's two totally different things in the sense that you've got to stay true to you and making music. But in, even in the football realm, it's if you're working hard, you're playing because you love the sport, it, you're going to be fine. Yeah, I think there's a lot of parallels to be drawn between pretty much everything in this. I think it's, you know, it's mindset at the end of the day. It's all um, it's just human condition, right? What is kind of the number one thing right now in the music industry that you see could be music related or it could be you know people related or, or whatever? I don't know, actually. That's a really tough question. I mean, there's there's plenty wrong, but I, I would hesitate to really call anything out because everything evolves out of necessity, right? Anything thing that is successful is successful for a reason no matter how much it might make me or somebody else mm. in the industry uncomfortable like the idea of there are a lot of acts that are based in social media before even anyone knowing a track of theirs that's not something that bothers me a huge amount but i can see why it would bother somebody a huge amount that could be seen as something that's really wrong with the industry so could blog monopoly or like spotify playlist monopoly or the fact that event that you kind of have to pay for people to hear your music whatever like or the tip tyranny of the, or literally just the tyranny of the idea that there's so many other people out there just like you making tracks that, that no one ever gets to hear. There's lots that you could say is wrong with it, but everything kind of breeds something else that is an innovative way to kind of circumvent that. I think the idea that there's anything inherently wrong is itself wrong, but not. <laughs> Completely switching gears, throwing a wrench into the machine. What is the deepest thought 
that you've had in the last year? I'm incredibly fickle in terms of just like what I'll entertain in my mind. Like I don't really think backwards and I don't really think forwards. I literally, I, I'm just very on whatever's in front of me. Um, so it, it's hard for me to think of something like that. Like there's been a, a load of like mixed down things that have, that have, you know, plagued me in the last, the last year or even today, actually there was some stuff I was dealing with that, that was really annoying. Um, but yeah, I can't, I can't think of like a definitive, this was ridiculous moment right now off the top of my head. Anyway, um, the one that does just floor me sometimes is when you see a lot of people in any place and it doesn't have to be a crowd. It can be just the fact you're walking over a highway and you see hundreds of cars, you know, with at least one person in them and they're not stopping, you know, they're, they're just going to keep coming. And there's so many people like that's, that's something that, that makes me stop and think that's one thing that gets me like the, the totality of humanity and like actually how many people there are. Yeah. And even in that little, even in that little instance, you're only seeing like a tiny fraction of what's actually out there. Yeah. Like there's actually a term for it. Sonder. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's that. That's those, um, yeah. those proposed new word diction, new word things. Right. Yeah. I, I saw that too. Yeah. yeah like <laughs> the realization that there's other people out there living their lives completely independent of you. And there's like a lot of people doing it. It's a bit of a blind side when it hits you, right? Yeah, like, it really is. <laughs> I just barely did a podcast with seamless. I asked him, something similar to what I just asked you, you know, like what is, what is something within the industry that really, really bothers you? And he said, realizing how much the top sucks and what, how he explained that was that when you get so high up in the industry, it's no longer about music. It's just, it's more about business. And I guess in his view, the higher that you climb, the more the business takes over and eats the music. In your experience, do you think that's true or have you seen differently? I think that's down to your team as well as, as well as being, I guess, in prominence. Branding and social media and marketing and, you know, all those things that come under the business umbrella of these things are undeniably a huge factor nowadays, especially in America, more so in America. I think the importance of the business side of it is at what point do you decide that you want this to be a career? Because if yeah. you want to be something that is profitable for an, for a longer amount of time, then you have to become a business. And I guess that's, that's a necessity. It plagues a lot of producers and musicians, especially because that's not what they started out to do. They started out to have a good time and business is not a good time for those who don't want to do it. And usually the sort of person to hold up in a whole up in you know um, some kind of studio of varying quality isn't the isn't the sort of person that wants to spend a load of time planning out a social media strategy for the track they've already finished they want to make the next one yeah, yeah it's it's the old old adage of pam makes the best apple pies should pam open her own pie making business you know it's that old adage of how I far heard that. oh yeah you don't know pam Pam's yeah awesome. you don't know pam <laughs> i don't know pam this <laughs> is a good woman she's She's a burly woman. She makes great yeah. pies. Uh, yeah, that's what I heard. <laughs> is your hobby worth a career? And is it something that, you know, are you willing to work in your business or, or on your business? And that kind of goes back to, it goes around your team. Are you the producer that's doing your branding, your production? You know, are you trying to increase your sales or are you having the luxury of making music and letting el letting, letting everyone else handle the rest for you. So I think in the music industry, it does depend how far you want to take it. You know, how, how supportive is music production going to be to your, to your livelihood streaming off of that. My, my question would be when you're having, you know, the, the worst of days, nothing's going right. It could be music, personal life, whatever, what, 
what's a typical day for you? you know is it is it going to music or are you one where you think no i gotta stop i need a break what what do you do when it seems like nothing goes right i work on a different track okay right. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I open a new project file blank one so it's still the the creation of music is your catalyst to help you through those hard times. Yeah, one of my favorite things to do is just open up open up Logic on a blank project and see where see where we go. What is an unpopular opinion that you have? Oh, that's a good question. I've got a few. Like oh, I'm a, I'm a massive oh, contrarian. I like to disagree. Oh, oh, this is good. So most things, uh, you, t- you tell me A and I'll tell you B. Like, Does all future bass sound the same? I, if you tell me A, I'll, I'll tell you B, but I don't like to generalize. Okay. So for example, if I say I don't really, I'm not that into Swedish House Mafia, mm-hmm. but Don't You Worry Child is a great track. Yeah, I mean, like, that's an unpopular opinion right now, right? Like, Considering uh, they just like reunited. reunited in Ultra, yeah, that might be a very unpopular opinion. <laughs> Honestly, most things I think tend to be unpopular opinions. Buster, do I have any real unpopular opinions. Wait, the, the pacifism thing I was saying earlier is when I was talking about the exchange rate between oh. uh, violence, that I find to, to actually be quite a uh, unpopular opinion. Buster, did you think of anything? Did you think of anything, B? Um, you have a lot of them. Oh. <laughs> I have a lot of them. <laughs> Just wasted your phone a friend on that answer. <laughs> I did, didn't I? <laughs> what is the happiest experience of your life? Slash the most beautiful experience of your life. I had a really good one recently. I don't know if I put this as the happiest experience of my life or... Um, there's a couple then they're they're all very different the first one and most recent thing i can think of was recently i did like a pop-up show with these um with this huge bluetooth speaker i've got it's called a soundbox i did this weekend in amsterdam where um i i was in amsterdam for some music conference and i was doing some weird masterclass thing or something but i turned it into a weekend of pop-up shows and um the liquidity guys liquidity being um a drum and bass produ- uh, prom- promotion channel on youtube that also do a lot of events especially around amsterdam they had a um show that night they said I could do a pop-up show in the venue in the smoking area, which was strangely inside in this yeah weird little kind of like room the size of like a, a living room, like front room kind of set up in the corner of that room and had no idea how it would go. And within five minutes, it was wall to wall sweat box craziness. It was the most raggedy show of any kind I had ever played. And everybody who was there was super stoked that this was happening. Like, I wasn't on the lineup for that night. Like no one knew I was going to be there, but I'm definitely a name that people know within that kind of, within those circles. Another one, other side was the fact that uh, last year on my birthday, I got to snowboard in California with, with some good friends from in LA. And I, who was I with? Uh, two agents from Circle Talent Agency, one of which lady called Katie Cho was my first tour manager in the USA. Um, and like, uh, you know, so we, we'd spent like a month and a half together on the tour with Getter and a really fun time on that and it was and it was the first time i'd seen her in a while as well so it was like it was just quite a nice not bittersweet just kind of nice time i don't know it was it was cool <laughs> what was the moment in your career that kind of not really your aha moment but the moment when you just thought i never want this one to end i could bathe in this this awesome feeling for the rest of my life first time that happened right um yeah I could, yeah I think it was my first show um, in 2000 and I can check. Yeah, 2011. February the 18th. <laughs> oh. 
Yeah, I've got I've got the poster for the it event. Is, on it is dated. Awesome. It was the first time I played to anybody else um, that wasn't like some ragtag kind of thrown together rave that me and my friends would put on at a local venue. This was my first ever like booking as uh, back then I was Stan SB and it was in Belgium. I remember the set. I remember the first time playing there. There's still some like I'm sure I'm still tagged in some Facebook videos of it. And it was just the first it was just the first time I'd got to play my music to people that I didn't know. And then they were already singing along. And that was like, whoa, extrapolate from. Extrapolate. You have such a wide <laughs> vocabulary. <laughs> vocabulary. <laughs> Vernacular. That's the that's word the I was worst time to not think of a word. <laughs> What's your favorite fancy word that you like to say that most people don't know? Oh, I don't know. Um, dude. Indubitably. That's a good one. Yeah, but people know that one. That Dang one's it. like a. People know that? <laughs> Like, oh, yeah, yeah. I thought I was fancy. Everyone knows. Okay. No, no, but it's like, it's it's not one that anyone pulls out, so it is fancy, but ah. people know it. The, the super left of field words. Um, I don't know, to be honest. Um, usually a phylactery. Yeah, no, I can't remember what it means. <laughs> oh, oh, he's looking it up. And a phylactery, which is spelled P-H-Y-L-A-C-T-E-R-Y. You never hear it. It's a small leather box contain, containing Hebrew texts on vellum worn by a Jewish man at, war- at morning prayer as a reminder for them to keep the law. <laughs> but that's a word I know for some reason. <laughs> Such a word. I got a term for you. So if you take your hand and you put your your thumb on your pointer finger and you press down, this little this little dent comes right here. Do you know what that's called? No, I don't. It is called your anatomical snuff box. Is it? So if you ever need it, it's right there. I can't get mine to come out. <laughs> I've seen it before. No, I can get it when I go like that. Oh, that works too. Just to make that little guy pop out. Oh, okay. Hey, little. Hey, hey here's that guy. <laughs> I don't know what use it has, but it's there. It's your snuff box? Your snuff box. Oh, I know about my twi- uh, triquetral bone because I broke that a little while ago. Oh, on this. What? You you made that up. I think people from UK only have that. I don't think that's a real thing. Twi- it's a, yeah, it was a, I think I got a triquetral plane fracture. Where is that? That's so, you know, like on your wrist here. No, it's here. It's here. Like you've got that little ball like right oh, here. Yeah, okay. It's actually two. And it's the one that you know less about. <laughs> what? Yeah, I, I fractured the the lesser known wrist ball doing a kickflip down totally. some stairs. In that, when you were talking about that, you talked about you know you were playing a game or or whatever. So another common thread that I saw with all of your interviews is that you like to play games. You like to play League of Legends. Is that your your poison of choice? Not right now. It's not. No, I haven't played it as much recently. Oh, what is what is what is your mainstay? Currently, right now, I'm playing a lot of the the Dragon Ball fighting game that came out. My heart is so full. Z, Z was my thing. Here's a question. All right, with with Dragon Ball, what character from Dragon Ball slash Dragon Ball Z do you associate the most with? And I want to say Vegeta, but I think everyone would uh, say that. Vegeta. I think everybody would say that. I think everybody feels a little bit like Vegeta, like that someone is always trying less hard and doing more than them. I think I think there's a little vegeta and everybody yeah. <laughs> what about you sawyer who do, who do you who do you connect with i know growing up i was a huge piccolo fan and he's underrated in my book he was that really tough guy like hard on everybody under, doing the under, right thing. but underneath yeah he had morals like his moral compass was on point like wow. he did he did everything it may have hurt your feelings at the time but he was doing it for you i mean he raised gohan we are really having this conversation. Yeah, yeah. Don't ever forget that, Gohan. <laughs> Gohan listens to Behind the Doll. <laughs> okay, I gotta tell you mine. Vegito, when they fuse together, because like I really do feel like there's a little Goku and a little Vegeta in me. <laughs> can, can we just add in one more little quick tangent? Yes. 
favorite villain cell hardcore 100 cell yes sell all day every day that was the biggest mind-blowing moment of all time it's like no the hardcore the bad guys are the androids psych it's cell who's gonna eat the androids <laughs> does does beerus count of course beerus as a bad guy though mm. Yes. Then yes, Beerus. <laughs> Beerus is a good guy. Not a good guy. Good villain. He's, yeah, he's kind of both, isn't he? It, it's, it's like an anti-hero. I'm so happy. Guys, I made an entire serum preset pack made from like Dragon Ball Z people. Like I dragged in the PNG of like Goku and Vegeta and everybody. I'll send it to you. It's so good. I need to play you something. <laughs> <laughs> Did you do that? Yeah. You did that? that. Why isn't it out? Yeah. It's, what, I'm what? still working on it. <laughs> I haven't nerded this hard in a long time. Okay. <laughs> I got a final question. So in the future, when you do have kids, let's say that you found out something about your son. And when you found out that thing about your son, you were just like incredibly proud of him for doing said thing. Oh my gosh. I'm so happy I had a son that this happened. What would be that thing that you're just like, oh, so freaking proud of you, son. Ooh. That's well, I've never been asked that one before. I think it would just be seeing them proficient at something they loved. I don't think it would matter what it was. It could be anything. It wouldn't have to be something that I that I take interest in. Like, you know, if if but like say that kid was a re was really uh, into dancing or anything like or into instruments or, or whatever, and I saw them being genuinely like top tier proficient and capable in that, I think that's that that would be that would be the thing. Like, I don't I don't think it matters what exactly it is. I think. I think that, that that's the thing that, that I'm most drawn to in anybody in, in general anyway, is, is proficiency in something that they actually care about more than anything else. And I think that that, that would definitely extend to this. When, when it's all said and done, when the era of Fox Stevenson is, is finished, which I think there's still time. We're not finished yet, folks. When it's all said and done and you call it quits, you, you may never, but what what's the one thing you want people to take away from their experience of listening to your music from a selfish i guess i guess there's two ways to answer this question there's, there's you can answer it from a selfish point of view and, and from a more i guess giving point of view um from a selfish point of view i would want people to not not necessarily think that i was the best but that i that i definitely did it my way that i wasn't doing it like anyone else that would be what i would want from a selfish point of view and from a less selfish point of view i would want people to feel like they hadn't been slighted by the fact that they stumbled onto my music and, and listened to it I, i'd want them to, to think that that listening to it was worthwhile and that that those things have underscored parts of their lives and and, and helped with whatever they have helped with and that and if they've helped and if it's helped people get through things like that i never would go the other way that, that, that things would never hinder people uh, and i guess that that would be really hard to do anyway but yeah i i want people to just remember just remember my music fondly and, and yeah that's about it and and can i add your selfish takeaway isn't so selfish it's really not it's, really <laughs> it's, it's not like there's there's nothing wrong with wanting to know that people realize you're being genuine with yeah. yourself and the music that you create what the heck man you're just not selfish <laughs> oh i am <laughs> <laughs> mr fox stevenson is there any final words that you'd like to tell everybody usually yeah but i don't know i, th I think i think hopefully this year will speak for itself 
We'll see. And the final most important question, did you have a good time? I did indeed, yeah.